Welcome to episode 143 of the Various Sunday Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is riding the Jets roller coaster, John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Well, it is another Monday here on the campus, and uh, so I taught beginning Greek this morning. Nice, nice. Yeah, they just took their midterm exam, so they're waiting to find out the results. Oh, okay. What was the feeling in the room like? Was there, we conquered this sort of feeling, or was there despair? Uh, there's a combination of both. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, usually yeah. is. Yes, we're gonna we're definitely going to see some uh, – some will be happy and some will not be happy. Hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to sort that one out. But, you know, I, I feel for them. It's learning a language is challenging. They're living in the fog. It's just not easy. No, no. Are you finding – because we, we set it up to have like a middle day mm-hmm. for like review. Are you finding that helpful? Uh, yes and no. I think it's probably helpful for the students in terms of just having that brain break yeah. of not constantly getting new material. Uh, so it's good for the pacing. It, it has created some not odd, but just it, it's just different. I have I've and I've also not so I've not taught it in this three day a week format, and I've not taught uh, this textbook either. Mm. And so you taught through it two times or three. I've taught through the textbook twice, yeah. but in that format only once. And so, um, yeah, just discovering more of the – not quirks, but just you know the f- different flavor of this book compared to the book we used to yeah. use before. The first time I used that book was COVID. Yeah. And if mess. you remember that year, it was like, oh, everybody, you have to have one class online to make this work. And so instead of like picking a lecture down the road like – uh, uh, present active indicative, you know, I just went, the alphabet will be our class online. Yeah. Because I felt it was these, and that was, For sure. I handed out a quiz the first day during COVID. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us and tell us about your experience learning Greek or some other ancient language, uh, or anything else for that matter, you can contact the show on Twitter at V and S pod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We would love for you to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're accessing us. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. And we would appreciate any help with a five-star rating and a review. Five stars only. Only. Only five stars. Okay, John, let's, uh, let's talk some sports here. Yep. Let's start with college football. It was a good weekend in college football. It was. It was. Uh, Ohio State dismantled Wisconsin 52-21. to That game was over by the end of the first quarter. Uh, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. A little bit of an upset there. Uh, USC struggled. They won 17-14 on the road at Oregon State. Not a good look for them. And... Uh, Sparty, who they were ranked like number 11 in the country to start the season, to start the season. And they got beat down by um, they lost at Washington last week. And now this week they got thumped by Minnesota 34-7. Whew. 
And Michigan also played somebody with a pulse. So that was, <laughs> you know, they, they did beat Maryland. Uh, Notre Dame looks like they're turning into a normal team again. So that's you know, nice to see. And Kansas. Did you see one of the big matchups of the weekend was Kansas versus Duke? Two basketball blue bloods mm-hmm. that were both like 3-0 and at, at that point. Kansas won that game. So Kansas is 4-0. and uh, they're going to have a – they're probably going to have a pretty good year and then someone else is going to hire their coach away and they'll go back to mediocrity. Oh, yeah. That's just the way it works at Kansas. Um, Washington State almost beat Oregon. Did you see that? Yes. That yes. was a very close game. Yeah, kind of a bizarre finish to that game. But T- Tennessee beat Florida in the swamp for like the first time and yes. I don't know, five or six tries. Yes. And um, I, I'm still waiting for the shade to be thrown towards Georgia for only leading Kent State. That's right, Kent State. They were only up 10 halfway through the fourth quarter before Georgia scored a touchdown to give the final margin of 17. So, uh, Wake Forest Clemson yes. was close as well. 51, I mean, two overtimes. 51-45 in overtime, yeah. I'm trying to think of – oh, Middle Tennessee State University. Yeah. Have you ever been on that campus? No. That's where – so when I was in high school in Tennessee, they played the state championship basketball games at Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That seems like an odd choice. Uh, That's – well, it was right in the middle of the state, Middle Tennessee State. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, They – they beat Miami. The week. U. The U. Yeah. That makes me laugh. I always think it's funny that they put Florida next to it, like Miami, Florida. Yeah. To, to not be confused with the powerhouse of Miami, Ohio. That's right. That's right. Yes. So, um, yeah, good weekend of college football. Let's talk about the NFL now, John. And uh, after last week's improbable win by the Jets, and I mean improbable based on – they were down 13 points with two minutes to play. They had a 0.1% chance of winning that game. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, At some point. This week, they did not win. Uh, no, no. They only got four field goals. So yeah. no no offense happened in that game. Yes. Uh, it did hurt them that Garrett Wilson got hurt. He was off to a good start in that game. He was, yeah. And uh, got hurt. I don't think – have you heard anything in terms of I thought, like rib injury or something? Like he took a hit to his side or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything. Him and Elijah Moore were off to, were off to good starts. Yeah. Yes. So how, how close are we to getting um, Playboy Zach Wilson back? He's got that dog in him. Uh, <laughs> I think next week. I think he's back against the Steelers next week. Okay. So if you notice, our first four games are against the AFC North. Yeah. So Ravens, Browns, uh, Bengals, Steelers. Yeah. And the Steelers have their own issues with their quarterback. Like they're they're not satisfied. That's a winnable game. That is a winnable game for the Jets. Although, so I did have the Jets losing to the Bengals, and I think I had them losing to the Steelers as well. Okay. Did you? But in your mind, you had them beating the Browns, which they did. I did. Yep. Yep. And so, so you have one in one in three start. But if we could be two and two out the gate, that feels okay. pretty good. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay. In, in, in the latest installment of the NFL, is just weird. Last week, the Colts were an embarrassment. 
Oh, yeah. They were awful. They got shut out by the Jaguars. The Jaguars. 24 nothing, And the Jaguars are universally acknowledged as one of the three worst teams in the NFL. I don't know. I think they're two and one now. Last last couple of years, they have been yes, yes, universally they, acknowledged as – I mean the, the, their draft status tells you that. Right? Yeah. So the fact that they – The Urban Meyer-led yeah. Jaguars. The fact that they lost would be one thing. But they got shut out. They got embarrassed at Jacksonville. And then this week, they beat the Chiefs at home. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever seen a 1-1-1 one, one, and one record in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably that looks the most odd. common. It, it is odd, yes. It, it, it looks very much like a soccer uh, yeah. uh, record there. Oh, yeah. You know, though soccer would be something more like, you know, 2-0-4 or something like that, you know, with all of the – with all the ties. But – um, let's see. Anything else stand out to you from the NFL this weekend? Raiders are zero and three. That's a little surprising. Not, not a good start uh, for uh, for David Carr. Yeah, David Carr, Derek Carr. Excuse me, went yeah. brother on him. Yeah, uh, the Bears won. Justin they Fields. They did. Though Justin Fields did not play well. He played very poorly in that game. But I mean the forty, uh, not the forty niners. Um, the um, Texans. They basically gave that game away. Hmm. Tied at 20. They have the ball under two minutes on their own end of the field, you know, their own 25 or 30. Throws a terrible pick. They run it down to the 10-yard line. And then it's just basically three plays to center the ball or get the ball on the hash mark you want. Run the clock down to three seconds and then kick it. So they did not win that game because of Justin Fields. They, To be honest, they probably won it in spite of him. He was just off, hmm. overthrowing guys and that sort of thing. So, um, And uh, the Packers beat the Buccaneers, Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. I didn't see all of that game. I only saw bits and pieces. But I did see the part where – let's see. I think the um, – yeah, the Packers were up 14-3 in driving. Aaron Rodgers hits one of their – I think it's one of their running backs at like the two-yard line. He's struggling forward to try to get into the end zone. He fumbles it. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay recovers. So it was on the cusp of being a 21-3 game. Not over but making it difficult to come back and then it ended up – The Packers did not score in the second half. Yeah. They didn't score from that point. Yeah. I mean they managed to win because they held off a two-point conversion at the end. Mm-hmm. So – it was just a weird game to watch. Like you see Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you're thinking, oh, 34 to 31, that'll be the score. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and here we had a, a, a 14 to 12 slugfest. Yeah. A weird game. Yeah. This weekend I also had uh, YouTube TV had a free preview day of NFL Red Zone. You ever watched NFL Red Zone? Uh, once or twice, yeah, where they bounce around all the games. That's a lot of fun. Uh, it's too ADD for me. <laughs> It's like someone that I don't know is like holding the remote control and they're just flipping from game from to game. game to game to game. And it, here's where it's good. I love watching it at the end of a half mm-hmm. or at the end of games where there's multiple games that are going down to the wire and you want to kind of keep track of what's yeah. happening. Or at halftime where some, your, your game might be at halftime but other games may not be and so they're kind of you know showing you those. That's great. 
but it just got too ADD for me. Like I couldn't I like kind of watching the flow of an actual game mm-hmm. as opposed to just the constant flipping back and forth. I want to know when that guy goes to the bathroom. <laughs> He's jumping between game and game and game and game. And there's no commercials and on NFL. And there's no also. commercials for three plus hours. Maybe they got him hooked up to a catheter. Maybe. I mean, they almost have to. I mean, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But it might be one of those questions. We just don't want to know the answer to that question. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk some baseball now. Before we get to your Mets, I think we should give a shout out to the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians. Yeah. They won the AL Central, right? Yep. They clinched. This flew completely below my radar because I don't follow baseball. I didn't realize the Indians were good. Or Sorry. Again, I did it. The Guardians. The Guardians. Do you know what the Guardians are, by the way, in Cleveland? I mean, wasn't it – I think I heard the – was the, I did not know about it until I was in the city last week. Okay, tell me. Uh, there is a bridge um, in Cleveland, and there are these uh, basically almost almost like, but not as majestic as sort of the Lord of the Rings <laughs> guardians as you're coming down the river. Okay, right. Uh, there's sort of these guys on on the bridge built out of stone. Okay, they are the guardians. Hmm. I, I did not know that was a thing in Interesting. Is this a common feature of Rust Belt cities? We're not going to go down <laughs> that road. No comment. <laughs> oh, you got crushed by some of our, uh, some of our uh, friends of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I can think crushed. of three different Ohio people who reached out to me. <laughs> wow. Oh, yes. That was amusing to watch. Um, okay, so tell us about your Mets, though. They still are up a game and a half, right? Game and a half, yep. Probably the most exciting race, uh, division race in the majors right now. And there's like eight games left in the season? Yeah, think, something like that. that. Um, you're beginning to see, and it's not on this app that I'm looking at, but you're beginning to see like how many games to elimination. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, eight or so for the Braves. So they either have to lose eight or we win eight or obviously a combination of the two. So they could lose four, we could win four, and we would win the division. Right. So it's still possible that the that the Mets could essentially clinch even before that end of the year series they play the Braves. Is that a three or a four game series? I believe that's a three game series. Yeah. Okay. So we have we're we're off today. We have the Mar- we have three against the Marlins three against the Nats, and three against the Braves. So we have nine to go. Okay. All right. But, yeah, we're right at the end. I mean, we're – I think if we win another five games, we will go over 100 wins on the season. 162. Yes. If we win five more games. Okay. Which is – which is – Great season, 100 wins. Yeah. Oh, anything over 100 wins is a terrific season. Yes. Um, and it's possible that both the Braves and the Mets could win more than 100 games. And yes. one of those teams is going to be a wild card and have to play a, a one-off in or out, right? No, best of five. They moved For it the wild them. card? Mm-hmm. I believe they moved it. I thought that was a pl- – like basically – isn't there a play-in u- game? It used to be. So they added another wild card and now the one and two seeds get buys. So whoever wins between the Mets and the Braves gets a buy of a round. Okay. So they get four or five days off. So there's still good motivation to not just mail it in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will have to see. By 
Three. by next week, your Mets should have clinched at that point. We should. Should. By the next time we record. But the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they have two days off. So they have today off, Monday yeah. off, and they have Thursday off. So they should still have three games left by next week. God. By this okay. time next week. All right. So, but yeah, it, we should, the picture should be clearer. Okay. But I have never watched a Braves Phillies game with such intensity <laughs> where it went back and forth. They had like a two and a half hour rain delay. And the Braves came back and won an extras. Actually watched the game or? I did the game day up okay. while I was watching football yesterday. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Sorry. We have to hit on this. How do you feel about the whole Aaron Judge thing? This What, what aspect of it? This treating it as if he's about to break a record thing. Um, like he's hit 60 now, I think. Or, 60. I don't think he's hit okay. 61 yet. And so treating this like he's about to break a home run record, which I guess technically he is with the American League. Well, in the Yankees. It's a Yankee record. Okay. Sure. Does that justify doing split screen break-ins to college football games on a Saturday afternoon? I mean, ESPN thinks so. Do you think ESPN read the room correctly? N- no. Um, I, I don't think so. Okay. No. Good. No. I, I don't think so. Um, I do think it's interesting. So in that in that whole discussion, I, I think it's an interesting discussion about do you count Barry Bonds? Do you count Mark McGuire? Do you count these guys? Yeah in the steroids era. Do you count them? I think that's an interesting conversation, not one that we're having right now, but I think it's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, and then what do you do with with the modern era with guys like Aaron Judge, who's just feels like he's hitting bombs like every other day. Yeah. Um, now he's hitting it at, at that wiffle ball park in the Bronx, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But anyway. Okay. Yeah, I think that's an interesting conversation. Did you see that the guy that caught his 60th uh, home run, brought it down and gave it to him for a couple of signed bats. Yes. And photos. Yes. The guy that caught Albert Pujols's 700th home run is holding it hostage. <laughs> holding it hostage. That, that, so that that tips your hand as to what you think. No. Okay. Uh, I think he's probably making the right decision. Okay. All right. I think he's – but he's saying, no, this is mine. And I, I'll sell it when I'm ready. Okay. Basically. So, so he's not even interested in selling it now. He wants to hang on to it for a while. I think so. Okay. He may want to sell it to the hall. Who knows? Maybe okay. when Albert Pujols actually retires. What would you do? You catch number seven hundred. <sighs> Goodness. Um, or some I, record. I heard they breaking. offered him like fifteen, twenty grand for that ball on the spot. I'd probably take the 15, 20 grand. You would. I probably would. You wouldn't hold out for more. I probably wouldn't. No. Okay. Interesting. It feels like a good middle ground to me. Giving the ball back for some signed bats. uh, Didn't get enough out of that. Didn't get enough, although it's a cool memory, right? Uh, 15, 20 grand, you could probably still get the bats in the photos. But uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not sure I have... 
the internal constitution <laughs> to enter a negotiation and s sales moment like that. Okay. You know, I, I just don't know that I could do it. I'd probably say, yeah, 15 grand. I'll take it. Okay. I'd hold out for much more. How much more do you think you could get for us? I mean, I, I heard like it could be worth like a million and a half. I don't think I'd hold out for that much. I think I could be. I think I could be uh, persuaded at much lower rates. Like a hundred grand, maybe. I might see. I might want to angle for like if if you're a diehard fan of that team, I think you try to angle for season tickets, mm. and then maybe you know the the signed. You know, the photo op, some signed merch, and maybe a little cash along with that. And a, and a lifetime pass to the concession stand. There you go. Get what it, <laughs> as many hot dogs as you can eat in stadium. There you go. There you Have go. Have you been to a stadium? They're expensive. Oh, they're, they're obscene. It's, it's wild. It's obscene. If you want two hot dogs, it's going to cost you like 25 bucks. Yeah. And even if you just want a bottle of water to go with that, the bottle of water is going to be like six bucks. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. We really need to move on. Okay. Well, let's move on. Well, we want to welcome back those of you who skipped the sports section and are amazed that it took 20 minutes for us to get it through. It took 20 minutes? <laughs> We're at the 21-minute mark here. And uh, Wow. Yeah, so welcome back to all of you who skipped the uh, riveting sports uh, section, including John recanting his comments about the Rust Belt. I did um, not recant. <laughs> My goodness. Our main topic for today is the Puritans. John, why are we talking about the Puritans? Um, honestly, <laughs> did I make this suggestion? I think you did. Okay. Uh, I, you texted me yesterday that we had this on the schedule, and yeah. I said, what angle was I going for? And I said, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yesterday over text, I threw out a few <laughs> questions and we decided good enough. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're trying to answer the questions like who are the Puritans? Where do they come yeah. from? Why do they get a bad rap? What were they about? Yeah. Those sorts of things. So what do you think? Let's let's maybe start with the bad rap. Let's let's talk about their reputation, especially outside of our sort of our, our sort of circles, our, for lack of a better term, tribe. But – we have positive associations with mm -hmm. the Puritans, but if you ask the random person on the street, they almost always have a negative perception if you mention the Puritans. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, I think – well, it's a combination of things. One, I think colonial Puritans did some wild things. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like there's some of that reputation that's just really earned. Like I, I think the burning of witches, those sorts of things, you, you and I would be against. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. Can I get you on the record? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will <laughs> go on the record and say I am against burning witches. And, and then I think there were some uh, – what's put out there uh, for G the gen pop to, to read is – Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Mm -hmm. uh, is it Nathaniel Hawthorne, uh, The Scarlet Letter? Yep. Um, literature like that, yeah. that does not paint Puritans uh, in the best light. No, it's not. In the case of a Sinners in the Hands of, the angry God, of an Angry God, I think that's 
true, right? Like I, th- I think mm-hmm. Jonathan Edwards is right, but it's not a whole picture of who Jonathan Edwards Correct. was, what his theology was, and how it yeah. engaged with his people. Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it is that much of what is talked about with the Puritans gives a gives a skewed picture of who they were. Mm-hmm. So that you read a sermon like Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God and you think, oh my goodness, these people are joyless. Guilt-driven. Guilt-driven, mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Stodgy. Joy. Yeah, just like, like yeah. Like, do these people ever have fun? Mm-hmm. You know, would they would they ever smile or laugh? That's kind of the impression that you get from that, which is a total misperception of who they are. Yeah. But uh, I think that's part of it. I also think their commitment – and we'll talk more about what – who were the Puritans and what, what, what were sort of – the basic set of convictions they had, the fact that they were very serious about godliness and holiness yeah. makes them uh, an unwelcome topic in our current culture yeah. of um, so-called freedom and license and who are you to tell me what I, what, what I should or shouldn't do? I should be free to be my most authentic self however I define that by my desires at the given moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very – Com- that's completely out of step with who the Puritans were and what they thought. So there's that piece of it as well. Um, so yeah, I think let's um, – maybe we should try to hit on some of the characteristics of the Puritans here. Okay. So I'm going to take these from uh, this resource that's entitled Meet the Puritans with a Guide to Modern Reprints. It is written by Joel Beakey and Randall Peterson. There will be a link in the show notes to yeah. this. And Joel, Joel Beakey is sort of the living Puritan writer. Like he, he is writing about Puritans all the time. Yes. Just yeah. about everything he puts out is Puritan related. Yes, for sure. So they summarize some of the key aspects of the Puritans as follows. They say Puritanism was at its core a concern to search the scriptures – collate their findings and apply them to all areas of life. Mm-hmm. OK. Well, that doesn't necessarily distinguish them from other versions of Christianity, but true. Uh, the Puritans were passionately committed to focusing on the Trinitarian character of theology. OK. In common with the Reformers, the Puritans believed in the significance of the church in the purposes of Christ. In the great questions of national life presented by the crises of their day, the Puritans looked to scripture for uh, light on the duties, power, and rights of king, parliament, and citizen subjects. In regard to the individual, the Puritans focused on personal comprehensive conversion. And so I think uh, those are helpful to to situate them a little bit. I'll give one other – Piece, and then I want you to talk a little bit about the history piece of what was going on historically that kind of led to the rise of this sure. group called the Puritans. Um, let's see here. Uh, one scholar says that Puritanism grew out of three needs the need for biblical preaching and the teaching of sound Reformed doctrine, the need for biblical personal piety that stresses the work of the Spirit in faith and uh, the faith and life of the believer. And the need to restore biblical simplicity in liturgy, vestments, and church government so that a well-ordered church life would promote the worship of the triune God. Okay, 
So those are some of their distinctives, their emphases. What's the historical situation in a nutshell that kind of gives rise to the Puritans? Yeah, yeah. The hardest part of that is nutshell. Um, It – so as early as I can tell, the term Puritan was a insult hurled at some English folk uh, in the late 1500s for people that wanted to – uh, get rid of some of these uh, more Catholic tailorings that a church mm-hmm. service had. Yeah, uh, and so, and this ru- is in in England. Yes, yes, in England, uh, and they would throw the insult, "You Puritans, like you overly pure people," was sort yeah. of the and like so many of those sorts of insults, they wear them as a badge of honor and take yeah. take them on. Yep, uh, and it becomes the labeling of a, a, a group. Um, in fact, one uh, resource, and there's a book titled after this, and we'll link it in the show notes. Uh, there's one commentator. I couldn't even tell you his name at the time, but he uh, said this hotter sort of Puritan or this hotter sort of Protestant are call themselves Puritans or something along those lines. Yeah. And so the book is called Hot Protestants, uh, which I love. I think that's really funny. <laughs> yes. So um, – but okay, but it, it, it sort of is a uh, coming out of the Reformation mm-hmm. uh, and is really dealing with uh, getting rid of sort of the Catholic doctrine and getting rid of the Catholic feel mm-hmm. of the English church at that yeah. time. Yes. Yeah. So England had, making, uh, had made a break with the Catholic church establishing – what came to be known as the Anglican Church. Sure. English Act of Supremacy. Yes. And uh, – but as as more and more believers began to reflect on this, a good chunk of them were not satisfied that the Church of England had uh, rid itself of enough of the features mm-hmm. of Catholicism to result in a healthy church. And so they were seeking to purify that. Um, and th- well, then England had the went a little bit back and forth, right? Uh, yeah. So they would be without getting into the different kings and you know their various <laughs> affairs. Um, uh, they would be they would be Protestant for a time, and then then a, then somebody would come to the throne, and they would be Catholic, and they would persecute the Puritans, and then yeah. eventually this culminates into uh, Elizabeth the first. Um, and she has what is known as the compromise, the Elizabethan compromise, where we are going to have reformed, uh, basically Puritan doctrine, but we're going to have a Catholic feel. Uh, and so, really, no one's happy. Right. And uh, and so we we went on from there. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so within that context, you have this movement of pastors theologians, and even politicians yes. who are actively seeking to uh, purify the church and implement uh, reformed doctrine within the church, uh, in particular even with connection to practices within the worship service and those kinds of things. So um, what uh, – do you remember what your first sort of exposure to the Puritans were? Like what like – what, how did you first kind of become aware of them? 
I mean, I think it's through things we already talked about, right? Uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, mm-hmm. the scarlet letter, uh, things like that. I think, um, honestly, I think my first real exposure to them would have been probably the Gospel Coalition. Okay. And just seeing uh, Puritan paperbacks yes. uh, from uh, Banner of Truth, Banner of Truth, uh, and just sort of thumbing through those, and and eventually beginning to pick them up and read them, and trying to mm-hmm. put together a bit more of a history of them, where they come from, yeah. who they are, how they came across the Atlantic to colonial America. Hmm. So, yeah, I would say it was probably the Gospel Coalition, and just sort of dipping in and out myself. Yeah. How about yourself? For me, I think it was probably J.I. Packer. Mm. Packer uh, was a big advocate of being a uh, someone who not modernized the Puritans but made people aware of them and pointed people to them. And I think in particular his book um, – I've got it in the show notes down here. Let me get the title of it. Right Quest there. for Godliness. Quest for Godliness. The Puritan vision for the Christian life that really piqued my interest in the Puritans. I was already somewhat interested in Jonathan Edwards. Edwards is kind of an interesting figure in that he's maybe the last Puritan. He's sort of a transition figure from the Puritans to the more modern age. So he's a bit of an an interesting figure when it comes to the Puritans. But I think – that was probably the first really positive, strong exposure to there's a lot of riches here that the mm-hmm. contemporary church is missing out on because we don't bother to read them anymore. Or they're too hard to read yeah. or you know, you know they use an older form of English yep. that we're not super accustomed yeah. with. And they write ridiculously long titles. <laughs> they, they, they do. <laughs> I mean, and the occasional <laughs> sentence. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. For sure. OK. So um, – if you – well, who, who are some of your favorite Puritans? Um, so probably – Maybe we could even frame it with if you're going to point someone to – where do you start? Who's a Puritan or two that you might send them towards? So one that I'm reading right now, uh, Thomas Watson, mm-hmm. uh, B1. Uh, I'm reading one of his and it's, it's broken up into really short – segments that you could you could piece through three or four a day and it'd be four or five pages of reading wouldn't be much uh, but it's a picture of a godly man drawn with a s- scripture's pencil or something along those lines that has a okay. very odd title yeah uh, but basically he's just going through godly characteristics of a of a, a man of God and so just sort of t- is taking in short paragraphs nothing too yeah. exhaustive or long but just really really helpful and I I think Thomas Watson's one of the easier Puritans for the modern reader to read. Okay. So that that would be one uh, place I would point them. Um, probably the pithiest uh, would probably be John Owen. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for good quotes to put on Twitter or something like that, John <laughs> Owen's probably your guy. Sure. Yeah, I would have pointed to Owen as well. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of Edwards, so there's another place. Um, but – uh, yeah, I think those are those are excellent choices. They, the Puritans were so good at taking a verse or a concept and completely disassembling it, mm-hmm. and then looking at it from every conceivable angle. 
and then putting it back together. Including objections to it. Well, yeah. you know, what if I feel this way about it or what if I feel this way about yeah. it? And, and they deal with that in the midst of their writing. Yeah, for sure. I find that really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one I, – I don't have this on the notes but I think one of the fascinating things about the Puritans is obviously one of the most significant sort of Christian life books written in the last – 10 to 15 to 20 years probably is Dane Ortland's mm -hmm. Gentle and Lowly. I mean that's basically just him bringing together scripture and the Puritans and putting it in contemporary language. Yeah, which if, if you're interested in that book, we have a podcast interview of him. Yeah. Episode. Oh, goodness. Long time ago. <laughs> probably in the 30s or 40s. It was that summer, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably somewhere around there. Maybe even the late twenties. Yeah, just search for it. it. You can. It should be pretty easy to find. I just can't remember the episode number. Yeah, but um, I mean, again, we we were a big reason why that book blew up because of that interview. That interview yeah. launched Dane into his sort into of stardom, stratospheric, um, you know, uh, evangelical celebrity. And the so. residuals we're seeing off of that are are massive. Yeah. I mean, we're what a year away from retirement, probably yeah. because of that. <laughs> so, um, well, we need to we need to move on, but I think uh, we should point. We will have some suggested resources in the show notes. We've got an article on the uh, Gospel Coalition that's just a decent summary of who the Puritans are. I mentioned the uh, the book Meet the Puritans. There's also a couple uh, of other books here. He's written uh, – Joel Beakey has written two other books that I'm going to highlight. He's written more than that. But he's got a book, Puritan Reformed Spirituality, Historical, Experiential and Practical Studies for the Whole of Life. And then he's also got a book called A Puritan Theology, Doctrine for Life, which is well worth your time to look at there. He uh, has written a number of different things. And then there's your book, John. Not my book, but the one I recommended, uh, <laughs> Hot Protestants by Winship. <laughs> okay. That's a great title. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what those marketing meetings were like. I mean they have a long <laughs> subtitle with that that I left <laughs> off. It was like uh, a history of a people from England to colonial America or is it, you know, you know, something like that. Yeah. To make sure <laughs> that it's not misinterpreted. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, indeed. And, and really, we mentioned this earlier, but uh, Banner of Truth Publishers has probably done more than anybody yeah. to make the writings of the Puritans available. They have a whole bunch of series of short, small paperbacks that you can pick up as well as longer books that uh, – I mean just about any uh, Puritan you want to find, they've probably got a Banner of Truth paperback uh, from them in terms of something they've written. Yeah, absolutely. Well worth well worth your time. So you ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. It is time for This Day in Sports History. Okay, September the 27th, uh, 2022. In 1968, uh, Cardinals super pitcher Bob Gibson uh, records his 13th shutout of the year. That's impressive. That's never going to be beaten again. 13 shutouts? Probably not. I mean, do you have any sense of 
How many complete game shutouts have there been in the majors this year? I mean, maybe just, a handful. It just doesn't uh, happen. Probably not thirteen. Yeah, there may not be thirteen total this year. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen seventy-three. Nolan Ryan strikes out sixteen in eleven innings. Who let him pitch for eleven innings? Uh, for uh, for a record, uh, uh, three hundred eighty-three strikeouts um, for the year. That year. Yeah. Yeah, who lets their guy go? That, again, that's something that would never happen today. No. Letting a guy pitch 11 innings. Yeah. And he's out there throwing like mid to upper 90s for that time. I mean, just a different era. Man. Uh, 1987, uh, Ryder Cup golf. Oh, my. What's the uh, Murray Field Village <laughs> Golf Course? Muirfield. Murfield. <laughs> Uh, Europe beats the United States 15-13 after 13-0 unbeaten streak uh, record spanning 60 years. U.S. lost for the first time on its home soil. Do you ever follow any of the like Ryder Cup, President's Cup kind of stuff? No, it doesn't really interest me that much. Like team team golf, I just – I don't get. Yeah. Even though I did it in high school, I I don't don't get it. Anyway, uh, 1988 – uh, Canadian sprinter Ben Johnson is disqualified from the Seoul Olympic 100 meter uh, after his urine sample found to contain steroids stanozolol. <laughs> I know you put that in there because you want to hear me pronounce it. Um, Amer- American Carl Lewis is awarded the gold medal uh, and world record at 9.92 seconds. Yeah. Man. Uh, 2013. Oh, that's 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 an old one. Don't read oh, that. Oh, that's one. an old one. There you go. Whoops. I forgot to cross that out. So, Whoops. my bad. All right, so we got basically oh, some baseball, some team golf, which we I think we've already eliminated, and a Canadian Olympics, sprinter. A Canadian sprinter. I know who I'd go with. Ooh, would you go with Nolan, or did we go with Nolan not that long ago? I feel like we go. I mean. I would go with Bob Gibson just because we went with Nolan recently, I think. Yeah, let's go Bob. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm all about the positivity rather than yeah, Ben a, Johnson gets disqualified what for about bad Bob? urine. What about Bob? What about Bob? Are you a big fan of the movie What About Bob? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sailing. I'm a sailor. <laughs> uh, yes. Little known fact about What About Bob. When Bob goes into uh, see Doctor Marvin, yeah, for the first time, I know exactly what you're going to say in the office, right? So he's, you know, he's explaining to him, okay, here's my book, and here's what you have to do, baby steps, and then Doctor Marvin says, uh, my family and I are going on vacation. While I'm gone, if you have any problems, you just simply need to call Doctor Harmon. Mm-hmm. I must have watched that movie five times before that. Before I caught that. Yeah. yeah so. I, I, I love some of his one-liners. <laughs> like when they're at dinner and he's getting – some more salad, Bob? Oh, yeah. B- pilot high and deep. <laughs> Is this hand-shucked corn? <laughs> Is this corn hand-shucked? Yes. Great movie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Great movie. All right. We're ready to move on. Yep. One thing we liked. One thing you liked. All right. Uh, I completed an audiobook this weekend uh, in a dark, dark wood. It is uh, a modern-day whodunit, basically. Um, okay. 
by this author, Ruth Ware, and she has seven or eight of these who've done it. And uh, they're calling her the modern-day Agatha Christie. Hmm. I read once online. I think I've read something from her, but I can't remember what it was. Didn't listen to it. Read something from her. I'd have to go back and look. It was – Inscribed. It was enjoyable. Yeah. Like like it was – yeah. Yeah. It was – I mean somebody died, right? And they're trying to figure out who mm-hmm. – how did this happen? And uh, somebody's falsely accused, all these things. But it was it was, uh, it was was pretty enjoyable. I wouldn't say it's good for listening around the family. <laughs> Some content? Some content. Yeah, I wouldn't Salty say – Salty language? Certainly. Not, not to like a ridiculous extent as yeah. some content goes. Sure. But – but some. Okay. All right. Fair fair warning there. Yeah. I wanted to do that before somebody's like, heard this on this Christian podcast. <laughs> Let's listen to it on family vacation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, my one thing I liked is I'm starting another podcast. Now, we should clarify our relationship is just fine, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yes. This is, this is not the – Precursor to the end of the VNS pod. This is not in any way a reflection on this pod. It's a podcast that I'm starting with my friend Ben Glad, who is a New Testament prof at RTS in Jackson. And that podcast is called Biblical Theology Briefing. So it's going to be a little bit more academically focused, maybe, than this one. But as the title might suggest, we are going to talk pretty much all things biblical theology. We have already recorded the first episode. It will launch Monday, October – that will be the 3rd. Okay. So uh, next week? Yes, next Monday. Very nice. Biblical Theology Briefing. Would love for you to check that out and subscribe to that. And um, yeah, that would be great. I also wanted to end the show – by giving a shout out to uh, Steve in Cincinnati, mm. wishing him, praying for him, wishing him a, a yeah. speedy recovery from a, uh, a health incident he had recently. Uh, grateful that um, he is recovering and, and uh, we're both grateful for him. He's a great guy. Absolutely. And uh, wish him the best in terms of that recovery. But uh, yeah. Just life is short and so we should be grateful for the time we have and even just God's kindness in um, good quality, quick medical care. That's just a blessing I think sometimes we take for granted. Yeah. All right. We have talked college football, NFL football. We've talked Mets. We've talked Rust Belt cities again. We have talked the Puritans. We have talked Bob Gibson. We've talked about an audiobook with some content. We've talked about a new podcast that I'm doing with a friend of mine, Biblical Theology Briefing. And so I think, by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. Mm-hmm. And so all that is left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.